Welcome to my podcast on How Not to Retire, a psychological approach to retiring healthy and wealthy. Episode 3. Is money the primary cause of divorce or marital discord? Greetings, I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer, and welcome back. In our last podcast episode, we dove into the intriguing question, Can Money Buy Happiness? To sum it up, we explored the distinction between money and wealth. Remember, money serves as a tool, a means to an end, while wealth is a state of being, a mindset embodying having enough time, love, family, healthy relationships, friends, and of course, enough money. To summarize the research, larger incomes are associated with greater happiness. The exception is people who are financially well-off, but unhappy. For instance, if you're rich and miserable, more money won't help. For everyone else, more money was associated with higher happiness to somewhat varying degrees. One of the researchers concluded with this quote, Although money might be good for happiness, I found that people who equated money with success were less happy than those who didn't. Remember the little case study we did in the last episode with Lenny. I also found that people who earned more money worked longer hours and felt more pressed for time. Close quote. As Gary Brecka aptly puts it, aging is the aggressive avoidance of discomfort. Now, you might wonder why this is crucial or question its significance. Retirees experience a noticeable shift in mental and physical health within weeks of retirement when they neglect to pre-plan for the latter half or bonus half of their lives and establish a solid activity structure. If they fail to discover their true identity and purpose beyond the responsibilities of their working years, being parents or providers or whatever that might be, the aging process tends to accelerate during retirement. While modern medicine has made strides in extending the quality of life, the question remains, who is tending to the quality of life? And maybe I didn't say that. Did it come out right? While modern medicine has made strides in extending the quantity of life, who is tending for the quality of life? The idea behind How Not to Retire, the podcast and upcoming book, is to provide you with a guide through the common pitfalls that the majority of retirees fall into and unveil why following the crowd can be detrimental to your overall well-being. Stay with me to discover this path or a path that leads to a fulfilling and enriching retirement experience. Today's episode addresses the role of money in our relationships, specifically marriage. An important aspect when it comes to an effective retirement is your relationship to wealth. Now remember, a subset of wealth is money, not the other way around. Money can buy wealth if used properly. Accumulating money is part of the process of experiencing wealth. One's relationships with money can also be a catalyst for broken relationships, and it stems from a lack of maturity, unprocessed trauma, falling short of being your best self, and ultimately, the primary cause for failing to experience retirement as a bonus half of life. 
It should be noted that having millions of dollars in your retirement fund is not required to experience wealth or happiness. In fact, it sometimes has a reverse impact on one's experience during retirement because the relationship with wealth doesn't sufficiently mature and money becomes the slave master, as in the story of Ralph and Lenny in our last episode. In summary, researchers have discovered that for most people, larger incomes are associated with greater happiness. The exception, as mentioned, is people who are unhappy regardless of their financial situation. For instance, if you're rich and miserable, a million more dollars or a million dollars isn't going to make a bit of difference. Before delving into today's story, here's a snippet of my resume. I entered into the financial world in 1983 as an insurance agent, later adding mortgage banking and brokering in 1992. As a financial coach, I focused on debt reduction to boost real estate buying power, catering to many Robert Kiyosaki followers. Around 2000, I developed the balanced living system, enhancing clients' communication skills regarding their finances. Over two decades and two more degrees later, here we are. I was hooked once I witnessed couples connect the dots and grow their communication skills. The material was powerful and life-changing, and I found that it applied to every aspect of life. It was a new concept back then as few people had heard of emotional intelligence. The material changed my life because I came from a dysfunctional family. And I figured, you know, if it works for me, if it works for my marriage, parenting, and all my relationships, I figured it would be a great thing to share with the world. Now, I'm going to introduce you to Becky and Dawn, pseudonyms for countless conversations I've had. Though this is not an exact transcript, the case study that I'm going to share with you illustrates how a healthy relationship with money and wealth can positively impact retirement and life overall. Prologue. Stanley is a mortgage broker, and he's taking a loan application for Don and Becky. As the two sat there unraveling the mysteries of their financial world, meaning they're looking at their credit report with Stanley, it was like watching a sitcom on money management, more or less a financial comedy of errors. Don argues about the necessity of a $3,500 set of pings, and Becky the shopping virtuoso defends her title as the family's reigning Santa Claus and Easter Bunny. Stanley, playing the unlicensed therapist part, interrupts the heated debate with a timeout on the field. It was as if they were in the middle of who spends more championship match, Amazon Prime versus golf. The revelation of their actual motivations behind spending and hobbies was like a big reveal in the mystery sitcom. In the end, it wasn't a tale of financial woe, but a lesson in the pursuit of wealth. The real punchline, as we're going to find, money is not the villain in the story. Rather, it's only a misunderstood sidekick. As Stanley points out, it's not about the money, but the relationship with money that truly matters. Here's the setting. Becky and Don are in the market for a new house. Their three adult children are now pursuing their own versions of happiness, and they're now empty nesters. At last, evenings are quiet, house is clean, tools are organized and put away in their right places, the laundry's down to a weekly task, and grocery shopping, meal preparation, virtually anticlimactic. 
Now, all they have to worry about is downsizing their house and planning the next 30 years of living, which includes their retirement years. As they sit across the desk from Stanley, they review their credit score. Great scores. No late payments. They review their income and expenses. Their income streams are steady as both are employed by their respective employers and many years, and they have very comfortable 401k accounts. The room temperature noticeably increases when they start discussing expenses, balances, and payments. Becky counters each complaint or jab about her spending by her husband by jabbing back about his hobbies. Stanley watches this with interest, having seen this play out dozens of times before. Picking a good time to stalk the boxing match, he asked if they'd be willing to answer a question before the next round. They chuckle, gave each other a snarky look, and wait for the question. And here goes. In your respective opinions, he starts, what is the primary reason for divorce in a marriage, or perhaps for marital discord? Money, they responded in unison looking at each other and laughing. Why is that? he asks. Becky jumped at the opportunity. Simple, we rarely argue, except over the things I buy or his hobbies, which are expensive. Not to be outdone, Don jumps in. My hobbies pale in comparison to your spending habits. Amazon has devoted a single employee to our house with daily visits. I spent exactly $2,956 last year on golf. Your monthly spending totally eclipses my annual spending. Hey, wait a minute. You purchased new clubs last year. You conveniently forgot about those, didn't you? And I don't spend $3,000 a month. You severely exaggerated what I buy. Becky sort of laughing comments. Pings, he smiled, looking at Stanley, who had a camera and Scott Putter standing proudly in the corner of his office. Totally worth it. $3,500 of pure bragging rights and zero noticeable improvements in the game, which brought an understanding nod from Stanley as they both chuckled. Stanley raised his hand, formed a T for a timeout on the field, and smiled, hold on for a moment so we can capture this experience. Are y'all arguing about money or perhaps something else? Both furled their respective brows, and Don asked, what do you mean? Well, your credit scores both exceed 800, which means you pay your bills on time and your balances are in order. You have a healthy nest egg and passive incomes as you draw closer to retirement, so neither party has spent the household into poverty. And you have money left over each month for play, travel, grandchildren, and hobbies. Right. Golf and Amazon, respectively, Don laughed. Becky, acting insulted, lovingly poked her husband. So is it really money that you're arguing over, Stanley asked. Well, if it's not money, what is it? Becky asked, leaning forward. Yeah, Dom chimed in. She visits her lover every day, and, interrupting him mid-sentence, Becky spurts out, and he spends six hours with his golf mistress, and she stuck her tongue out at dawn. They both cracked up. The fascinating aspect of my work for the past 30 years is that I get to play therapist without a license every day. It's always a different version of the same challenge. You think that money is the challenge at your numbers, using his fingers to count on credit score, savings, retirement accounts, rental properties, and cash flow, don't support that. Stanley continued with both Don and Becky completely engrossed in their therapy session. Money is an object. It's a thing to control. But when money becomes the master, the humans become the slaves. Money, or the servitude to money, 
sucks the happiness out of the relationship. Let's examine your situation, starting with Don's love for golf. How much money do you actually make annually? asked Stanley. Well, Don says about 300000 Okay, how much do you bring home? What's your net take-home pay? Oh, let me think. Let's see. I'd say about 240000 And you spent 3000 on your passion and about 6500 the year before. So that's roughly, and Don quickly picks up on this and finishes the sentence. So that's about 1% of my gross income and a little less than 3% in net, even with the purchase of the pings. Stanley nods his head. Precisely. And we could do the same with Becky, noticing slightly different percentages. However, on the whole, today's communication exercise is over a very small percentage of income without an understanding, or perhaps better said, without appreciating your relationship with money. Stanley smiled and sat back in his chair. That well-rehearsed comment usually needed time to absorb into the gray matter of the clients. So after a minute of reflection, Don broke the silence. I think I'm getting your message, but I can't seem to put it all together yet. Can you explain it? Sure. As mentioned, money's an object, a thing, a method of barter, a commodity. Its purpose is to be controlled. For example, looking at Don, why do you golf? Don smiles. Simple. Golf is fun. I'm with friends. It's challenging. Golf can never be mastered. It's like an onion once you peel back one aspect of the game. You discover more that you didn't know. I conduct business on the golf course, so it pays for itself over and over. And yet, I re-energize at the same time. I guess it gives me a peaceful feeling that I can't quite describe, except maybe to fellow golfers. Really? said Becky. How come you never told me that? Well, I think I've tried, but it was difficult to explain without a frame of reference. I guess I could have done better. Becky, how about you? Why do you allegedly spend so much time and money shopping, Stanley wondered. Simple. It's fun. She cast a smiling glance at Don. I enjoy getting things done for my children and my grandchildren because they don't have much money right now, and we can afford it. I didn't grow up with money, and everything was so expensive to my mom and dad. So, now that I make my own money and Don does really well at work, I get to take care of my children and spoil my grandchildren. And how does that make you feel to provide for your loved ones, asked Stanley. Oh my gosh, as her eyes lit up like a Christmas tree and then turned moist. I've been able to play Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, you name it. And not just for my kids and grandkids, but for people in the community who don't have much. I've helped the church with service projects and provided needed funding when they were short. You know, I buy supplies and sit on committees, and I look for ways to help the less fortunate. Yeah, she does, was all Don said. It gives me a purpose, especially since the kids aren't at home any longer. So, in other words, your money, the object of your alleged argument, provides each of you with enjoyment, satisfaction, and happiness, said Stanley. Yeah, I think that's right, said Becky, Don says. Let's recap for a moment. Do you believe you all have enough money to serve the community, your family, your passions, and your hobbies? Yeah, they both said and nodded. Do you have enough time for your family, hobbies, passions, and friends? Yeah, they both nodded. Do you have enough time for each other, enough love, compassion, enough attention from each other? Oh, yeah, Don said and grabbed Becky's hand. Yeah, we do. 
We spend more time than ever since the kids are gone. Ben Stanley said, By definition, you are wealthy. You have enough, or said differently, you have sufficient. You have sufficient money, sufficient time, sufficient love, sufficient friends, and sufficient assets. Wealth is a state of being or mind. Money is simply an object to be monitored, divided, allocated, earned, and traded. Each of you trades your time for money in the workplace and in turn trades your money for things, time, projects, hobbies, passions, and service away from the workplace. Well, then if money isn't the primary source for divorce, or how did you say it, marital discord, what is? asked Don. Looking at Becky, Stanley says, What do you know about Don's passion for golf now that you didn't know before our meeting? Oh, wow, I had no idea how much it meant to him and why. He does business, he charges his batteries, he visits with his friends and colleagues, and just a lot of stuff. Sometimes I thought he just wanted to get away, yet, you know, I knew that wasn't true. Don answered the same question regarding Becky and her spending. Well, I already knew that her spending wasn't selfish. She doesn't have a selfish bone in her body. I mostly like teasing her about it, but, you know, this makes sense now, thanks. You see, money isn't the problem. It's one's relationship with money and often the inability to effectively communicate one's wants and needs in relation to wealth. Money is only one aspect of wealth. Wealth is a byproduct of effectively controlling money and time and developing healthy habits. Both Don and Becky smiled. You know, we can chat about this later. Are you all okay with getting back to your mortgage application? End of case study. So recap. How many times during the story did you catch yourself answering one of the questions from your perspective? Did you keep a civil tone about you? Or did you feel triggered by the topic and perhaps a little perturbed with your situation? Here's a short answer as to why. There are two axioms that drive behavior in every human being. Number one, we're hardwired to connect. And number two, we each have a drive to learn and to grow and to set and achieve goals. Since we are innately driven to make connections and friends, it hurts when we don't connect in a satiable manner. And when it hurts, we medicate. Likewise, when we fail to reach our goals, it hurts. And when it hurts, we medicate. Money is a means to an end. The end in the case of humans is happiness, joy, and well-being. We want and need friendships, love, family, attachment. And money has the ability, and researchers support this, to increase the probability that we can achieve it. Remember, the research addresses people who have not processed their early life trauma and are perpetually unhappy. So those people who where money doesn't play a role are oftentimes in life playing the role of a victim or constantly on the bully war path and making life miserable for anyone in their vicinity. And in this very moment, you've probably already have people in your mind who are either always in a victim position or just as mean and angry as can be. Constantly picking on people. Today's episode doesn't address that level of misery where they can't get out of the victim trap or what we call the drama triangle, however. It addresses the idea and awareness 
of changing one's mindset regarding money and wealth. Both Dawn and Becky wanted the same thing. They went about their collective goals differently, which is called conflict. Conflict is having the same goal and seeing a different solution as the other person. Conflict addresses what is right. It is needed for growth, and conflict is designed to be resolved, which is what they did during the middle of that conversation with Stanley. Contention, on the other hand, is all about who is right. Remember, conflict is what is right. It's principle-based. In contention, the person who plays the victim, the bully, or the rescuer makes it all about them. Hence, who is right then trumps what is right. It's harmful and undermines happiness. There's no resolution and no growth. It's gloomy and a dead end in life to live in a constant state of contention, always having to be right. So the podcast, the idea behind how not to retire, is about getting on the same page with your goals first. Just start there. What do you want your bonus half of life to look like? How do you want to feel? What do you want to do? Going into retirement with a purpose can eliminate a lot of discomfort and disenchantment. So I leave you today with a quote from James Clear. There are three primary drivers of results in life. Number one, your luck, which is randomness. Number two, your strategy, your choices. Number three, your actions, which is your habits. You can control two of the three. Remember, it's luck, strategy, actions. If you master two of those, you improve the odds that luck will work for you rather than against you. The process of how not to retire addresses your strategy, which guides your actions. Your luck is always a result of strategy and action. Remember, don't try harder, try different. Until next time, may your habits harmonize with your purpose, leading to a life filled with happiness, joy, and well-being.